following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached by Vicar Evan Aerosmith on Sunday, January 17, 2021, on the basis of 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 10. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Have you ever just sat and wondered how long I could preach? because I have wondered how long you could listen. That's not a challenge to any of you here, and it's not a challenge to me, but I bring it up because we live in a time where we're one click away from the next five minutes of entertainment, or one thumb tap away from putting out our own content. And so, in a world like that, the idea of sitting down and listening, really listening, kind of seems like a bit of a chore. And in the 21st century, no task or no no one event embodies that laborious task more than sitting down in church for a live, in-person sermon because you can't scroll past me and you can't skip to the next preacher. I'm all you got. But what's interesting there, I mean, I, I won't say that there aren't boring preachers and I won't say that I'm not one of them on occasion, but what's interesting is that even if you're totally zoned out, conked out, drooling on your best t-shirt board, you're going to notice if I stop talking. If I just stop talking, you're going to snap to attention. Because when the, background si- when the background noise that we're usually deaf to becomes silence, that silence is deafening. Now, before the prophet Samuel became the prophet Samuel, he was what the book of Samuel calls the boy Samuel. And he was born into a time when the word of the Lord was rare and all the more precious because of it, but not nearly as valued as it ought to have been. And yet in that silence, in the silence of the night, God cut through the unbelieving world's noise to bring that precious word to Samuel. And he does the same for us, because even though the word of the Lord is rare today, it's still precious, and it's not hard to find. But we do struggle to listen to it. Because there's a million other voices to consider, a million other opinions to give, and a voice of our own to throw in the ring. But because he speaks to us through his word, he asks only that we listen. And what's more, he enables us to listen. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. That's not me editorializing. It's with those words that the book of Judges... And with it, the era of the judges came to an end the same way it began, with anarchy. Now, anarchy might sound like a lot of fun in theory, but that's, of course, contingent on everybody knowing the difference between right and wrong, and even more contingent on everybody actually being able to follow their conscience in those matters. Sounds good. Doesn't work. But as ominous as those final words to the book of Judges were, It was nothing new for the nation of Israel. They had been doing as they saw fit for generations, ever since they left Egypt, really only stopping to beg God for his mercy when it was blatantly obvious that they needed it. And God, being a merciful God, being a gracious God, would always raise up heroes for them, people called judges, the last of whom you may remember as Samson. Now, the real biblical man, Samson, was hardly Sunday school material. But if you 
read through the story of Samson and read on into those last four chapters of the book of Judges, you'll see exactly what kinds of things the Bible means when it says everyone did as they saw fit. It wasn't exactly the libertarian utopia they might have wanted. It was total depravity. The kind of sins that snowball into their own punishment. The kinds of things that you just can't sanitize into a Sunday school lesson. That's what was going on. But I still encourage you to read through those stories because as you see Israel descend deeper and deeper into madness, you'll also begin to notice that God ceases to be mentioned and he ceases to speak among his people. The silence was gradual, I'm sure, and maybe even unnoticed by the people as his voice grew quieter and quieter. But in it, we see the fact that God's most severe act of judgment does not appear in lightning and thunder. No, we'd probably like that a bit too much. God's most severe act of judgment comes in the form of silence, in allowing sinners to walk away from him and run headfirst into the sins that they like so much. And it also shows us how in a time when God's primary means of communication was direct from God to man, he had all but shut his mouth. Not because he couldn't make himself heard, he had been doing that for centuries, but because the people he was talking to had proven that they were not going to listen, no matter what. Neglecting to listen can mean so much more than refusing to hear. It can mean sitting in church and taking in the word of God one moment and spending every moment after doing as you see fit. It can mean throwing yourself into church life, being completely enveloped in church events, potlucks, youth group, whatever, and yet only having a superficial love of the word of God. Knowing the Bible by its cover, but not by its contents. And it can even mean, and it can especially mean, a pastor standing in the pulpit with an attitude of, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. That kind of thing doesn't fly with God. Our minds cannot be vacuums. They cannot be empty. And so if we'll refuse to put God's word in there, if we'll refuse to simply listen to God's word, then what we're going to fill our heads with is a cheap and often dangerously faulty imitation. When, when the Bible says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, not all of this was immediately evident right on the surface of that phrase. But it's important for the story because it's the world that the boy Samuel was born into. And it's important for us because we too can lead ourselves into that silence while God continues to speak to us through his word. When God comes to us, he only asks that we listen. And I think that's partially why he speaks to us through his word. Because we don't need to talk back to that. He isn't coming for our advice. He isn't coming for his benefit. He's coming for ours. I mean, I've been a Christian all my life. I've been receiving Christian education from preschool on. I am in my seventh year of higher education in theology. All of our pastors in this synod have that plus experience. And yet when God comes to us, if God comes to us, all of us, all the pastors in the well stacked on top of each other in the world's longest trench coat could not teach God a single thing or impress him with any of our combined knowledge. He's not here for our advice. He's here to guide us, to teach us, to show us 
promises made, and more importantly, promises kept. And all he asks is that we listen with open ears and hearts of faith. It's not likely that he's going to whisper in your ear on the drive home. And that's because the word of the Lord is still rare today, but for that reason, it's precious. And I mean, you can find one for free on your phone, and I guarantee you if you searched really hard, you could pick up a free hard copy within a mile of here. So it's not inaccessible. It's not hard to get your hands on. But the message it brings you is the only one of its kind. Because in a world that calls people basically good and yet holds them to their worst, most shameful moment, God's word recognizes you at your worst and gives you Christ's best. It's a storm in still waters and still waters in a storm shaking you up where you've gotten too comfortable and comforting you where you've been shaken. And when you listen to it, you're going to see that the value of a preacher is not in his talent, his rhetoric, or how, how long he can bend your ear, but whether the word he brings you is God's or not. And if you listen, you'll know. When we listen, we empty our minds of the things that are common and fill them with what is truly rare and precious. The summer that Hannah and I got married was a really bad summer to be without air conditioning in Milwaukee. And so naturally, Hannah and I had no air conditioning. So every night we would go to bed with two fans tornadoing hot, stagnant air around our room. And let me tell you, it did not make for sound sleeping. So once you actually got to sleep, you really, really, really hoped to stay that way. But for some reason that, will, that I will never know, either on earth or in heaven, I kept waking up in the middle of the night absolutely convinced that something was wrong with Hannah. So I would reach over and jostle her awake and say, Hannah, are you okay? And the answer was almost always, yeah, I'm fine. Go back to sleep. Well, 45 minutes of horrible sleep later, I would wake up again completely uneasy and absolutely convinced that something was wrong with my wife. So I jostle her awake again. Hannah, are you okay? Yes, Vicar, go back to sleep. This would happen up to four times a night. Not every night, but up to four times. And never once, never once did she suggest to me that it might be the Lord waking me up. Which brings us at last to the boy Samuel, who also, I'm sure, had a very reasonable reason for waking up Eli three times in the same night. When he heard a voice calling to him, his mind went to the most reasonable place that old, blind, hefty Eli needed his help. Even as he was sleeping just yards away from the Ark of the Covenant, which was the throne of God on earth, he had no reason to assume that the voice calling him was anything other than the old man that he listened to every day. But it's in this quiet, confusing call that we see God's love in speaking to us. And firstly, he calls Samuel by name. Now, being known by God isn't a privilege that's reserved for the heroes of Scripture or the canonized saints. It's for you and me because God knew your names before your names were ever known. He saw you before you ever were. He's been with us through trials and triumphs, sins and struggles and our most shameful moments, and we don't need to tell him 
about any of it. We can tell him. We're absolutely welcome to tell him, but we don't need to because he knows already. And in spite of that, he still speaks to us. And this is the beauty of God's word, that when it speaks to us, Jesus can both promise at the same time, God so loved the world, and yet look into the eyes of a weeping woman directly and tell her, I tell you, your sins have been forgiven. That he can speak to the disciples saying, my peace I give to you, and at the same time be saying, my peace I give to you. And secondly, he called Samuel four times, persistently, like he loved him. Because God knows us, he also knows what it's going to take to change our hearts and what it takes to get our word into our hearts. He knows that his word has to break the silence because without it, we never will. And so he holds this word in front of us time and time again in ways that might go unnoticed at first. I mean, I still come across passages that have been in front of me my entire life that are just now opening up to me because God has put me through the experience or given me the understanding to fall in love with those words. And I know 80-year-old Christians who would say the same. And so from that call to faith to the call to growth and into our call to our heavenly home, God is persistent. So finally, let's consider Samuel's response. It's simple and sincere, but it tells us just as much about the goodness of God as it does about the faith of Samuel. Because he doesn't say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. It's speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I can't just waltz into the Pentagon and declare myself an employee. I can't even do that at Walmart. So what makes me think that I can walk up to the Most High God and declare myself his servant? It's simple. Samuel was called. We have been called too. To listen, to serve, and finally to be God's children. If you're good at listening, if you're truly a good listener, I'm not going to call you weird, but you're definitely uncommon. It's not, a, it's not a normal skill for people to have. It's not most people's strong suit because it takes work. I mean, we're constantly hearing. But you have to choose what to put in the effort of listening to. If we won't listen to God's word, then soon enough we won't hear it either. And that silence will be deafening. But God's call is personal, it is persistent, and it's precious. It goes out to you every day and it goes out to all of us every day and it brings to us what we can't find anywhere else. So listen, because God still speaks. Amen.